Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Everyone loves a good corner store, right? There's one in your neighborhood. It's close, it's convenient. You most likely know the people who work there. They know you. So we're going to talk a little bit about corner stores today in mom and pop grocery stores, specifically how there used to be dozens of them scattered around Wilmington, uh, well over 200 at their height uh, last century. I mean, people have fond memories of these places, maybe because for so many of us, uh, me included, they're tied to and they were an integral part of our childhoods. This is Cape Fear on Earth, the podcast exploring the legends, historical oddities and landmark stories of southeastern North Carolina. I'm your host, John Staten, and I'm a reporter with the Star News here in Wilmington. We're a Gannett paper that's part of the USA Today Network. Of course, it's not like the corner store is gone or anything. I mean, there's still plenty of them downtown, the Village Market at 2nd and Dock, Howard's uh, at 5th and uh, Castle, where you can get some fresh seafood. Uh, There's a corner store at 6th and Chestnut that's been that, um, where the the one at 6th and Chestnut is, that's been a store for more than a century uh, in that area. There's one at 8th and Ann Streets, um, Zora's, uh, now it's called Ronnie's Crab Shack at Zora's on 14th and Castle, has been there off and on since the 1950s. You know, it's just that before the rise of chain grocery stores and convenience stores, there just used to be so many more of them. There was such more an integral part of Wilmington um, and living in Wilmington back in the day. At this point, I'm going to refer to a wonderful book um, by Wilmington historic historian Beverly Tetterton. It's called Wilmington Lost But Not Forgotten, uh, published in 2005. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful um, book that anyone who's interested in Wilmington history should have. Um, got a lot of old photos, drawings of downtown Wilmington, and there's a great section here on uh, merchants and storekeepers. And there's a picture of a, a woman with two kids. Uh, it uh, was called so the Robbins family. It was called Frymuth's Grocery. It used to be on North 9th Street, and this dates back to 1915. And this is, you know, in the 19th, in the 19th and early 20th centuries especially, you know, there were no chain stores, right? And everything was uh, merchants. Um, and here Beverly talks about, you know, merchants starting out by, you know, leasing a, you know, a small, you know, a small stand or a stall. And then eventually they would, you know, work their way up to having a storefront. Um, there's just some great stuff in here. How about talking about a lot of the buildings downtown you'll still see, you know, there were, um, kind of storefronts built onto different houses. And a lot of those have been taken off over the years, but you know, that's how a lot of people operated. They either lived in the um, loft above their store or they lived in the same building and they would just put out the goods in the morning. A lot of these places had awnings. They would kind of cover up the, the groceries and stuff. And it's just, uh, and this is not just downtown. Um, obviously back in the day, that's where most of them were. Um, She's got a great section here on, you know, Brooklyn and North 4th Street. There was a bunch of uh, stores there, especially in the early um, 1900s. 
she's got, a, there's a, if you look at my story about corner stores on starnewsonline.com, there's a great photo Beverly sent me of, it was called King Store, um, at around 600 North 4th near where kind of Edward teaches today and the kind of the train, you know, the uh, railroad bridge. Um, there was a store there and it was, uh, I mean, Brooklyn especially was a real melting pot um, even after the 1898 uh, massacre. Um, there was, you know, whites, blacks, Jews, all kind of people living in that neighborhood. Also, she's got a wonderful section here on Castle Street and Dry Pond, which is, uh, there was a big store called the Palace Variety Store at 4th and Castle. It's not there anymore. Um, and she dates that back to about 1910. It's just a big old store. You know, it's, uh, it's on the southeast corner there where 4th uh, and Castle across from that little um, uh, market now. Now, there has been several corner stores on the corner of 4th and Castle over the years. Um, and it's just, you know, it's just a great, great resource. Um, like I said, if you get a chance to check out Wilmington Lost But Not Forgotten by Beverly Tetterton, um, wonderful stuff in there. Now, a lot of great pictures in that. Now, in this book I'm getting ready to talk about, uh, this, uh, this also talks about corner stores. It's a, This is just a wonderful, wonderful book. If anyone's ever not had the chance to read it, it's called Memories Yesteryear by a man named Robert Martin Fales. He was a Wilmington doctor, grew up here starting in the uh, early 1900s, and uh, he just it's just a wonderful book of his memories of growing up in Wilmington. Like I said, he was a doctorate in his later years. He also became a bit of a historian, and he would uh, he's got as I've said uh, a great section in here on corner stores, um, grocery stores and meat markets. You know, starting he's uh, he goes back to the early 1900s. Um, you know, and he and this is actually where I read that uh, the first the really the first chain store to come to Wilmington. Um, Dr. Fail says was uh, the Cress, uh, S.H. Cress, which was located in the uh, Masonic Temple building where Port City Java, on the ground floor where Port City Java is today, and some other stores as well. That was really the first, you know, what they call the five and ten cent store. Um, but even, you know, up until then, everything was locally, independently owned, um, you know, and that's a lot of people were merchants, you know, a lot of people grew up in I'm going to be merchants, ran their own stores, and that's just kind of how uh, life was in Wilmington at that time. Um, he's talk, uh, Dr. Fales talks about, and I talk about this in my story as well, um, there's a lot of wholesalers, you know, down by the river, water and nut streets, people would bring in the goods, and that's where your wholesalers would be, and that's where your merchants would go and get um, get their goods and bring them back to their stores. Um, you know, so, just like today, some stores had a better selection than others. Uh, you know, you had the larger stores with, you know, canned goods and, you know, a lot of uh, fresh fruits and vegetables, you know, the cured and salted meats. Now, the fresh uh, meat, well, there, were, there was butchers, right? There was meat markets, um, and that's where people went to get a lot of that. Uh, Dr. Fales talks about uh, how you could order um if you were, you know, back then, a lot of, you know, a lot of people didn't, you know, they didn't have a refrigeration in the early part of, or even electricity in the early part of the uh, 20th century. Um, if you knew you're going to have, you know, a big Sunday dinner and you needed, you know, some beef or something like that, you would kind of let the butcher know, um, order it, then you go down and pick it up Sunday morning. So it's, you know, it's not sitting around and they would keep it fresh for you. Uh, and Dr. Fails did a wonderful job of just going through the city directory 
over the years and kind of just literally counting one by one these different retail grocers and wholesale grocers, um, meat markets, butchers, etc. And you can really see kind of the ebb and flow of uh, these businesses over the years. Um, the high, you know, he's got 19.2. He's got 182 retail grocers, 26 wholesale grocers. There was a high of 222 retail grocers in uh, 1914. Um, that kind of ebbed and flowed over the years. That's, you know, down to 169 in 1920, back up to 207 in 1924. Um, down a little, uh, 144 in 1940, but then shot back up after World War II, um, which Dr. Fales attributes to you know, Wilmington's economy really uh, improved after World War II, so there was more retail source. Um, and then they kind of, you know, throughout the latter half of the 20th century, that mostly hovered around 150, but then you really kind of start to see them head down around 1980. Um, this is really after the, uh, the bigger uh, grocery stores started to come in town. A and P, I believe, started in the 1950s, and when Dixie came in, um, a lot of people remember uh, Parker's. Their Parker's had several grocery stores. Um, Wilson's in the 80s, especially, started to kind of take hold. And then uh, by 1985, Dr. Fales talks about uh, there's only uh, 64 stores that were, um, you know, mom and pop uh, grocery stores, essentially. So, um, you know, things, and that's, and obviously this wasn't just happening in Wilmington, this was happening all over, all over the country as, you know, changes in uh, food production uh, really, um, you know, developed and, uh, and uh, progressed, I guess you could say. Um, but like I said, just there's something about these, you know, these mom and pop chains that people really, really remember. And I think it you know, is, like I said, goes back to people's childhood. I put it out to our, uh, Cape Fear Unearthed uh, fans on our Facebook page, and I got a lot of great stuff. If you haven't seen that thread, it's a wonderful one to go through. Um, and like I said, most of these stores were downtown, but not all of these stores were down. There was they were scattered all throughout Wilmington, and it, they got more, um, I would say, scattered over the years. Um, Renee Barovs talks about there used to be um, a couple on Wrightsville Avenue in the Spofford Mill area, kind of near where I would say... Uh, Farsfield Apartments is. I know there's a little, uh, there's some little stores along Wrightsville near that area. There were, she says, one that she remembers was called Hemby's and one was called Hobbs. Um, and then uh, Sherry Pridgen talks about, and this is some people had some really good memories. One person talked about how they could smell Tiny's Grocery Store in Longleaf Park on Marion Drive. Um, she said they, they would get like penny candy and, fun, and you know, uh, what they could call funny books, comic books. And drinks and you know Tiny's is a place I don't remember but apparently uh, other people have really uh, strong memories of that now Lynn Crowley Atkinson talks about Parker's on Market Street uh, where the there's a Port City Java there and the big building behind it there's a church now and also Burnt Mill Creek uh, bar and there's a little uh, pizza arcade as well now but back in the day that was a Parker's um, grocery store I remember going in there as a kid and then it became uh, uh, Farman, uh, Carolina Farman for a while, but that was, uh, you know, a, you know, a, it was a small chain, independent, you know, grocery store chain that was there for a while. I used to go to, uh, Annie Snipes, uh, as a kid back in the eighties and I'd walk, you know, we'd walk through, uh, cross market street, you know, there was a little store there. We'd go to Parker's. Um, 
also on Market Street, not too far from Parker, there was people, people remember Carney's, which is the building is still there next to the uh, Amico station. I believe it's a lawyer's office now. But a lot of people have very fond memories of Carney's. One person talking about, you know, they went to Google Maps and mapped their route to get to how they used to ride their bikes to Carney's through the neighborhood. Um, uh, Herb Harris talks about there being a, he said there was a B&B market at Dawson Street, which was, um, and he said, uh, he remembers, oh, I'm sorry, he, he says uh, Hemby's was on, was on Dawson Street, and he says the proprietor was a guy named Basil Hemby. Um, he said that they would order uh, groceries by phone and they would, you know, deliver them uh, on bicycle to different places. So, yeah, there was, you know, you could just like, you know, you get your uh, deliveries today, you could get them back then as well. But it was probably some teenager on a bicycle in the 50s. And then uh, if you look at the video I did online, there was a bunch of little stores on Castle Street. Um, I think a lot of people remember the Joy Grocery, the Joy Grow, as the sign said, um, on a sec- on a third and... Uh, on Castle between second and third, there was another larger store on Castle, but on third and Castle, um, like I said, going back decades, there was one on fourth and Castle. There's been several different stores on fourth and Castle, uh, and um, so yeah. And then this, and then oh, and this is just a, another little fun side note from my story. Uh, anyone who is, who's ever had the Carolina treat barbecue sauce, that kind of came from. That was, you know, basically invented at a corner store at Fourth and Chestnut back in the day. It became a, you know, if not a nationwide brand, a regional brand for sure. Um, and I just kind of want to wrap up with this one because uh, I thought it was just, like I said, really kind of drove home how tied these corner stores are to our memories. Um, Al Cook writes to me. He went to uh, Winter Park uh, Elementary School down there off of College College Road. And he said there used to be a um, uh, store called Sneedon's near Winter Park. Uh, he said it was on Park Avenue near right off College Road. He says maybe around uh, 46. Uh, he says that uh, a lot of his neighbors did the, the, did their grocery shopping there, and you could actually get ground beef. And you and he said Mr. Sneedon would grind it up right on the just right on the spot. Um, there was also an old shoe store there. He says there as well. Um, and uh, there was a uh, he, there was a soda fountain. You could go and get your uh, you know your soda, and uh, they would put in the syrup, and they would put in the carbonated water, which is how they used to do it back in the day. Um, yeah, and this is so. This is from the fifties, um, whereas a lot of people are remembering those days from the fifties. But now you know. But like I said, these stores have a long history in Wilmington, and things are a little bit different now. But I mean, they have a long. Uh, history in our area and it's just so tied to place I feel like Um, you know and a lot of these uh, you know some of these stores are still around like I said when I go into uh, uh, Howard's I live near Howard's at Fifth and Castle you know go get fresh seafood there right now and uh, people are kind of um, you know coming in from the neighborhood driving up walking up to get their seafood just like they did back, you know, back in, back in the old days. So I think this has just been a really fun story to work on. And I would love to um, hear any more uh, comments or memories from people. If you go on our Facebook page, I'm going to post the story should be posted there. Now Um, feel free to comment. I'd love to, you know, discuss and find out even more about some of these corner stores. And that's it for this episode of Cape Fear and Earth and our look at the history of corner stores in Wilmington. 
We'll be back soon with another chapter of Wilmington history. Till then, make sure you're a member of our Facebook group where listeners can ask questions about our episodes and share their own memories of the region's history. In that group, I post extra content from each episode and links to all my coverage of local history for the Star News. You can find that group by searching Cape Fear Unearthed on Facebook. And don't forget to sign up for the Cape Fear Unearthed newsletter that goes out every Thursday. Sign up for the newsletter at starnewsonline.com newsletters. Cape Fear Unearthed was written, edited, and hosted by yours truly, John Staten. You can find more of my work at starnewsonline.com. This podcast was made possible by listeners and readers like you. Support local journalism and Cape Fear Unearthed by subscribing to the Star News today at starnewsonline.com slash subscribe. And while you're subscribing to things, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you stream this show so you never miss an episode. While you're there, leave us a review, which will help more people find Cape Fear and Earth. Till then, get out and explore the Cape Fear region on your own. You never know what you might unearth.